G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. One thing is certain, all of us have been wronged. But Pastor Greg Laurie points out today, only some of us have granted forgiveness. You know, we might say, well, one of these days, if I can find it in my heart, I'll forgive that person. No, you need to do it this day, not one of these days. And don't try to find it in your heart because you never will. No, you need to do it as an act of obedience. What if I'm not feeling it, man? Who cares if you're feeling it? Just do it because it's the right thing to do. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. When we've been wounded deeply, forgiving the offender can feel like we're letting them off the hook Where's the justice we cry? In reality, forgiveness is more of a healing balm for the forgiver than a kindness toward the offender. And today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie shows the example of a great forgiver in the Bible. We'll consider the example of the Old Testament patriarch named Joseph. It's part of Pastor Greg's inspiring series, World Changes. about a Sunday school teacher that was talking to her class about the topic of forgiveness and she asked as she was concluding, you know, kids, what does a person need to do to receive forgiveness from God? There's a moment of silence. A little boy put his hand up and he said, you have to sin. And that's pretty true. You have to sin. And most of us qualify. Well, let me restate that. All of us qualify Most of us as believers understand that He graciously gives His forgiveness to us, though we don't deserve it. And He tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we will confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's amazing. We understand that for the most part. We accept it. But here's where it gets tricky for some. Forgiven people should be forgiving people. We have received the forgiveness of God, therefore we should extend that same forgiveness to others, especially those who have wronged us. And before us now, in the book of Genesis, is one of the most amazing examples of forgiveness in all of the Bible. The only story that really eclipses it, in my estimation, is Christ hanging on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Here is Joseph, a man who has been so wronged in life, extending forgiveness to his brothers. The very brothers who abandoned, betrayed, and for all intents, murdered him. This would have been a great moment in the narrative for him to deal in a little bit of payback with one word. He could have had them all executed because he comes into a position of great prominence, as we'll see. But he didn't do that. Instead, he forgave. So now he's, now he's in a dungeon. 
worst situation imaginable. Enter the butler and the baker. They work for the Pharaoh. So he's talking with these guys and they both had these dreams. What were your dreams? Okay, well, uh, one of them says, I, I had a dream. This is the butler now. He says, I, I had a dream of a vine growing up with three branches and then the three branches were clusters of grapes and, and so I took the wine from the grapes and I put them in the king's cup and served them to the king. What does that dream mean? Joseph said, that's a good dream, buddy. The Lord has shown me that that means you're gonna get out of here and before you know it, you're gonna be serving wine to the king. Yes. Remember your buddy Joseph when you get out, okay? And the butler said, yeah, I'll never forget you. He never heard from him. And so now he's just sitting there for two more years. He was forgotten. In fact, the Bible tells us uh, in Genesis 40, 23, the butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Meanwhile, the most powerful man on the face of the earth, the Pharaoh of Egypt, has a troubling dream. And in his particular dream, he sees seven fat, healthy cows in front of the Nile River. And then after them came seven scrawny, shriveled up cows, and the seven skinny cows ate the seven fat cows. Pharaoh woke up and went, whoa, I should not have eaten that Egyptian pizza last night. What does this mean? Then he falls asleep and he has another dream. This time it's seven heads of grain, strong and healthy, growing from a single stalk. And then seven heads of grain also sprout, but they're sort of scorched and withering. And the scorched ones ate up the healthy ones. He wakes up, ah, what does this mean? So he calls in all of the astrologers and the wizards and the experts and advisors. You see, he had them on staff. They were on the payroll. But uh, these guys had no answers. They couldn't make sense out of Pharaoh's dreams. And then there's a butler. He's standing there. He's thinking, oh, why? I remember that Joseph guy. So he says to the Pharaoh, I met this guy in prison and uh, I believe God's given him this ability. The Pharaoh says, get him up here right now. The next thing he knows, he's in the presence of the Pharaoh. Genesis 41. Verse 14. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once and he was brought quickly from the dungeon. After a quick shave and a change of clothes, he went in and stood in Pharaoh's presence. And so now the Pharaoh tells him his dream. And Joseph says, okay, I got it. Lord showed me. Here's what it means. Those fat cows getting eaten by the skinny cows. That's talking about seven years of plenty. In other words, you're going to do really well in grain reserves and food for seven years, but you have seven years of famine following that. So you better stock up now and get some reserve in place so when the famine comes, you'll survive it. And by the way, you got to get a really good person over this to administrate it. And all the Pharaoh's soothsayers, wizards and magicians are saying, me, me, me. And the Pharaoh looks at Joseph and says, I want that guy right there. Next thing you know, Joseph is the second most powerful man in the world. He had gone from the prison to the palace. He had gone from rags to riches. So many years have passed. The famine is in full swing. People are coming from around the world to get food because Egypt is the only one that is prepared for the future because of Joseph's interpretation of the Pharaoh's dream. One day, a Jewish family shows up. Now they don't recognize Joseph. For starters, they never thought they had seen him again. They thought he was dead. Secondly, he's an older man now and he's changed. And thirdly, he doesn't have his hair long or his beard grown out 
like he used to. His head was all shaved. He probably wore eyeliner like they do in those old Egyptian drawings. He kind of moved around like this all the time. And uh, so they never thought they'd see Joseph again. So they didn't recognize him, but he recognized them. In comes his family and he's looking at them. And his heart is beginning to just burst. It's been so long. He's thought of them so many times and this amazing scene unfolds. He has to tell them who he is. Genesis 45 verse one, reading from the New Living Translation. Joseph could stand it no longer. Get out of here all of you, he cried out to his attendants. He wanted to be alone with his brothers. And when he told them who he was, he broke down and wept aloud. His sobs could be heard through the palace and the news was quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph. He said to his brothers, can you imagine how they felt when they realized he was alive and powerful? I am Joseph. And they're thinking, and we are dead, 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 dead. So dead, 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 dead. Yeah. Come over here, he said. And they came closer. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Oh, yes, he remembers. <laughs> But don't be angry with yourselves that you did this to me. For God did it. Did you read that? For God did it. He sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Joseph said to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Because Joseph loved God, no matter what came his way, no matter how wicked its origin, God turned it around for good. And then, he extended his forgiveness to them. And they'd done a lot of bad stuff to him. But he didn't hold grudges. He let it all go. Can you let it all go? Well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in the US. And he's about to describe a modern day example of great forgiveness. It's beyond words. We're gaining important insight from Joseph, one of the Bible's great forgivers in this message, the power of forgiveness. Is there someone you can think of right now that has hurt you? Someone who has wronged you? Someone who has brought harm to you? Or someone that has said something cruel about you? And it hurts and it makes you angry. And you would like to see them destroyed. In fact, at times you find yourself thinking about ways to get back at them. But remember, that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is forgiving. Forgiveness is forgetting. Forgiveness is canceling a debt. I've told you the story before of Corey Tin Boom, a remarkable lady. She's now with the Lord, but uh, she survived a concentration camp during World War II. Corey and her family, the Tin Boom family, lived in Holland. And when the Nazis began to persecute the Jews, this wonderful Christian family took these folks into their home and hid them from the Nazis. And so one day the Gestapo showed up, arrested all of Corey's family. Her father, Casper, an older man, was sent to a concentration camp and there he quickly died. Uh, her sister and her, her sister was Betsy, were sent to Ravensbrück and there they suffered greatly uh, watched people around them die, but they reached out to the other prisoners, sharing the gospel with them, having a Bible study for them. But then Betsy, her 
very godly, saintly older sister also died and Corey was freed on a clerical error. It was actually a mistake but as we said God's sovereign and he was in control and she got out. So she spent the rest of her life traveling around the world as a self-described tramp for the Lord and her message was there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still and she would tell her audiences about all that she had gone through and how she was able to forgive. Well, one night after a church meeting in Munich, Germany, a man walked up to her and he said, a Fraulein Ten Boom, uh, I too was at Ravensbrück. I was one of the guards. And as she looked at him in his plain clothes, she had a flashback to him in his Gestapo uniform. She remembered him well. She remembered the skull and crossbones insignia on his collar. She remembered the especially cruel treatment he gave toward her and her sister and she just filled with rage and anger and he says, and I'm asking you, would you forgive me? And he extended his hand. <laughs> Corey just left that hand hanging. She said, I, I couldn't shake his hand. I couldn't do it. But then I remembered that God had forgiven me and I remembered that forgiveness is not an emotion. It's an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. So she writes that she reached out her hand and woodenly shook his and said, I forgive you, my brother, with all of my heart. And then she writes, I never knew God's love so intensely as I did then. Isn't that great? Corey Ten Boom said, God has taken your sins. He's thrown them into the sea of forgetfulness and he has posted a sign that says, no fishing allowed. What I love about this story is it's practical. You know, we might say, well, one of these days, if I can find it in my heart, I'll forgive that person. No, you need to do it this day, not one of these days. And don't try to find it in your heart because you never will. No, you need to do it as an act of obedience. What if I'm not feeling it, man? Who cares if you're feeling it? Just do it because it's the right thing to do. And I believe that your emotions will follow in time to go to that person that hurt you and say, I forgive you. But what am I doing? I'm freeing myself of this, you see? It's letting it go. And there's no greater example of forgiveness in the Bible than Christ Himself hanging on the cross. After Jesus was crucified, after they ripped His back open with the Roman whip, after they pulled the beard from His face, and He hung there at Calvary, He gave seven statements in total. And the first one was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do those Roman soldiers deserve forgiveness? Do those religious leaders deserve forgiveness? No. But He gave it anyway. And that's how God feels toward us. He loves us and He will forgive us if we will turn from our sin. Looping back to what I said earlier about that little boy in Sunday school. What do you need to do to be forgiven? You have to sin. Well, we've all done that, haven't we? And God can forgive you of all of your sin right now. And I wonder if you've not come here to this service and, and you feel there's like a barrier between you and God. Maybe it's the fact that you haven't forgiven someone. Maybe it's a certain sin you've committed. But I'm telling you right now, God can forgive you of that sin and take that sin and as Corey wrote, throw it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. But you have to say to him, I have sinned and I'm sorry. And if you will say that to the Lord, He will forgive you right here, right now. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do it. 
And if you have maybe asked Christ to come into your life but maybe you've fallen away or you found yourself involved in things you should not be doing as a Christian and you need to recommit your life to Christ, this would be a great time to do it as we close in prayer. Let's all bow our heads. Father, thank you for loving us so much you sent Jesus. And Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sin and taking God's judgment upon yourself. And thank you for your gracious offer of forgiveness to all who would call out to you. And now we pray for them, Lord. Help them to see their need for you. Help them to be forgiven by you. And we ask it in your name. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer about coming to the Lord to find forgiveness of sin. And as you've listened today, you've realized that you need to do that. Today's a great day, and you can right now. Pastor Greg, in fact, would like to help you. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ stands at the door of our life and he knocks. And if any man will hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. Maybe as you've heard me speak today, well, you've heard another voice speaking to you. It's a voice of God. And you realize you need Christ in your life. You need your sin forgiven. You want the assurance that you will go to heaven when you die. Well, here's what you need to do. You need to pray. And I would like to lead you in a prayer right now where you will be saying to Jesus, Lord, come into my life. I choose to follow you. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I turn from that sin now and I put my faith in you. Be my Lord, my Savior, and my God, and my friend. I choose to follow you, Jesus, from this moment forward. Thank you for loving me and calling me and accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know on the authority of Scripture that Christ himself has come into your life. The Bible says, these things we write to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. If you just prayed that prayer in minute, you can know today you have eternal life. And may I be the first to say to you, welcome to the family of God. Thanks, Pastor Greg. And we'd love to follow up with you by sending something called our New Believers Growth Packet. If you've prayed that prayer today, it's a great way to get started living as a Christian. We'll send it out to you free of any charge or obligation. It'll help answer some of the questions you might have and also help you build a solid foundation for your faith. So just ask for the New Believers Growth Packet when you contact us on 1-800-00-5011. Well, next time we'll see that even world changers need a second chance. We'll learn about failures and how to recover from them. That's next time. If you'd like a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called The Power of Forgiveness. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.